don't fall in love with the idea of seven figures, fall in love with the idea of building something that can really create, you know, generational wealth for your business and for your family. Yeah. Make it make money and keep that money. Welcome to Reward, the podcast of The Trust. We are the show specifically for women entrepreneurs who want to build businesses into the multi-million dollar revenues and beyond, but especially because we know the reward is much greater than that. I'm Allie Brown, and I'm excited to introduce you to these diverse female leaders from a variety of industries, women making huge impact and who are unwilling to settle for the status quo. On the web, visit jointhetrust.org to learn more about our modern community for forward-thinking seven- and eight-figure women entrepreneurs. That's jointhetrust.org. See you there. Now, get ready to enjoy this episode's powerful conversation. Hi. Hi. Are you in Florida today? I am. We just moved into our new home in Ormond Beach. What was it like getting all your stuff in there and getting organized and unpacked? And was it kind of, was it fun or were you like, uh, get it over with? Well, it was kind of fun opening up all of my boxes from Canada uh, until I started, you know, trying to put stuff away. And uh, three big drawers in the kitchen were full of kitchen utensils because I had utensils from Naples. I had utensils from Calgary and utensils from our home in BC. So you had like so three I literally whisks. had to do an inventory and <laughs> I had like I had 20 whisks. It was crazy. <laughs> so tell everybody about your company, your agency, what it's called and what you do. Sure. So I have two companies. I have a Canadian company called Lisa Larder Consulting, and I have a U.S. subsidiary called Godaxi. And the uh, companies were really formed to allow me to do operations. Originally, I was doing all of my operations in Canada. And then when I moved to the U.S., I started a subsidiary company so that I could kind of divide the way that both companies were operating. So mm-hmm. I provide business strategy and advisement to my clients. And a lot of that has to do with marketing and, and tactical things that people can do for growth. And I have a team, which is the agency side of the business that does all of the fulfillment. So we do website design, development, social media marketing, book publishing, marketing, all that kind of stuff, podcast management, you name it. It's in huge demand too, because I think a lot of people get into this stuff and don't realize how much work it really is. Would you agree? It's a ton of work. And yes, I I would agree. A lot of people, a lot of people want to get into it and they don't understand the technology side. They don't understand uh, what is involved in producing a podcast, for example, or getting a newsletter out. And so they want a team that can support them with all aspects of marketing. You know, gone are the days of just hiring a VA who works out of her basement and expecting her to be a jack of all trades, right? If you are going pro in your business, you want to work with a team that is multi-skilled and talented that can handle just about anything that comes up for you technically. And that's pretty much what our team does. I want to lament for a minute that I miss the simple, the simple days of marketing, of early online marketing where you could send a few emails and make like a hundred grand, you know, now now it's like, it it seems to me just like marketing has become such a complex beast. And I do wonder though, if some people are getting needlessly distracted, like every 10 seconds, there's a new platform, there's a new method. We need to be doing this and that. 
you know, what is your theory like with your clients? When a client comes to you, what do you help them think through to get clear? Well, the first thing I try to help them think through is who is their buyer and where does their buyer hang out? Because if your buyers are not on TikTok, then there's no need for you to be dancing and pointing at bubbles on TikTok. And so really kind of defining where your buyer hangs out, where they consume content, and then figuring out what is the content that you need to create that is going to resonate with the problems that they have. I think a lot of people are more worried about vanity metrics than they are lead generation. And that's what's made social media really noisy. I mean, it's hard to believe when we started out, there, there was no such thing as an online influencer. When we first started marketing, we, we wouldn't have thought that influencer would be a job. And, you know, today's, today people want to become an influencer. I don't really work with people like that. I work with people who are professionals, who are thought leaders, who have a body of work, and they really want to get their body of work in front of the right people because they want to generate leads. And so one of the things that I help them to do is really define the best channels to do that on. And mm -hmm. I, I don't believe, I know, like, I, I like Gary Vaynerchuk because I think he does a lot of things well, but one of the things that I don't necessarily subscribe to is that you have to be everywhere all the time. I think it's no, exhausting I think that's for the some death people. of you. And I'm going to venture to say too, especially for women, um, I just see them feeling that pressure to be everywhere. And there's so much confidence and clarity when you can be clear about a few certain channels. If you're not clear in your target market, then maybe you want to test and do a lot of that and be everywhere. But yeah, I mean, that's the advantage of having like a real business where you know, <laughs> you know who your yeah. client is, who your target market is, where you want to be. I mean, that's good you think that way because I think so many people, I mean, what, what even is marketing now? It's become just such, just such a mess. I love what you said earlier about, you know, when I launched my business, I remember I got that general virtual assistant and she kind of could do everything. You know, she, she figured everything out and then social media came along and that's what just changed, at least for my business, that was like a whole new planet that we suddenly needed people who are specialized in different areas. And then adding onto that, everything going on today, it, but you it's created some out of that. control. You created I some did. of that. Some you, of the craziness. Some of the craziness because, <laughs> you know, you needed, we needed something, an opt-in. We needed to build yep. an easing and then you need an autoresponder. And I think my first VA probably put the back end of an infusion soft together with duct tape because she had no yeah. idea what she was doing. Yeah. And so, but even that seems simple now, you know, like yeah. one offer for the right people and bring them in and, and just all yeah. this chaos. So I think what Lisa and I are trying to tell some of you young kids listening is, uh, you know, get clear, get clear on who you you're marketing to. And that just solves so much of your problems and, right. uh, so, and, and keep it as simple as you can, you know, while still experimenting and testing and playing and, um, there's something you shared earlier about how you see shifts happening in, you know, in marketing, in business, you know, what you've observed over the years, because we've been in this together like a long time and, you know, share, share some of your thoughts and observations and like what you're seeing around and what people should be really observant of marketing or, or just business otherwise. Well, I think from a marketing perspective, there there is the risk of being everywhere all the time and lo losing sight of what it means to run a business. Because 
you can have thousands of followers, but if you're not generating sales and keeping money in the bank to be able to pay yourself, then you don't really have a business. I think today people are enamored with vanity metrics and they're infatuated with six and seven and eight figure businesses. And that's what, not what business is all about. You know, businesses exist to generate a profit. And so marketing should be a function of helping you build something that allows you to pay yourself, pay your employees, generate a profit, take care of your family. And I think the problem today is so many people go down the, these different rabbit holes of popularity contests when it come to, comes to marketing. It's like spray and pray mentality versus really mm -hmm. thinking about what are the things that I need to do to build a successful, sustainable, and profitable business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you are thinking of what's coming down the line, you know, do you think it's going to, is there going to be a correction at some point that you think people are going to wake up and start realizing like, oh, they can't be on all these platforms and they have to simplify? I think they already are. I think you're seeing it already. I mean, we both know Tanya Dalton. She stopped social media. It hasn't stopped her. I think I, I took Facebook off my phone over a year ago. I don't miss it. I think you're already seeing a lot of people uh, slowing down. And I think, you know, there's so much in the news today about how social media is affecting people's mental health. And I, I really do think there will be a change. And so I think people need to be thinking about what are some of the uh, foundational things that they can do to market and build their business. You know, I'm going to use the trust as an example. One of the biggest lead generation sources for me and my business is networking and speaking. And so I make a point of belonging to communities that meet in person and not just online, because I know that those relationships help me to grow my business. Mm -hmm. And so I think people need to start thinking about traditional marketing. You know, when was the last time you sent out a, a handwritten note to somebody in the mail. When was the last time you created a nice looking brochure that you could you know, give to somebody when you meet them? I, I think we have to not think of social media marketing being the be all end all and think about some of the other traditional tried and true methods that may actually help you fast track what other people yeah. are doing right now. I think, by the way, the last card I got was from you, actually. <laughs> and I love getting mail. Like, no one sends cards anymore. So I know. It, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll be working with a client and, yeah, they just, they think social is marketing. Like, especially the younger ones. I think, you know, we need to talk about marketing. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this on Instagram or this on TikTok. I'm like, no, marketing, right? You're, you're you know, reaching your target market, getting them to respond. And so we, I start throwing out ideas like mailing something and they're like, Wow. You know, it's like a whole new world they hadn't even thought about. I'm like, if they're zigging you zag, like think about things that really stand out and make a difference that, that break you out of the noise. And I, going back to what you said before about, you know, looking at business basics, like, are you making a profit? Mm -hmm. Is this a real business model? I really, really hope that, um, that U-turn, I think we're starting to feel from a lot of business owners, like they're done with the nonsense because now they're looking at what they have and they're like, okay, this really needs to work now. Like I've had fun dancing and everything. And no, no offense if you dance in reels. We have some members of the trust who dance in reels. They do well with it. We still make fun of them, but they're making a lot of money. But um, if you don't have to, you don't have to, you know? Well, if, and, you, if you're not comfortable doing that, you shouldn't do that. So, yeah. you know, Kate Northrup, 
She's great. She dances oh, she's and like, for I it. watch I watch her do it and like it is in her. Like she is vibing <laughs> and it is like a hundred percent authentic in her. But if I were to do that, I would feel so uncomfortable and awkward because that's not my thing. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with what we see with online marketing is everybody's copying everybody else instead of just doing their own thing. You know, yeah. Sally Hogshead wrote the book Fascinate, and one of my favorite phrases from that book is different is better than better. Better. Mm. So stop just trying to be better than what you see other people do and start figuring out how are you different? Do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, but then they get sucked back into the vanity metrics, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, I want to be different and here's my target market. And I realized it doesn't even matter if I'm on this platform, but that's where I get a lot of attention. That's where I get a lot of likes. That's where people see and think I'm successful. So there's so many layers to this and, and I want, I don't, I want to move on to some other topics, but I, I love whenever you and I connect, we always end up talking about this because I know it's something we both agree on and like how, mm -hmm. you know, w we need to return to common sense in, in so much of business and marketing. And there is a gift in simplicity yes. and a clarity in that, that, um, that it, that's just my jam now. That's what I love working on with myself, with my clients, with my programs, just everything. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, gods. yes, exactly. When, um, you moved into like this space and being online, you know, let's walk through a bit of how that happened because your background was in a totally different industry. You know, why don't you walk people who don't know you through that journey? Yeah. So I used to work for TELUS, which was one of the largest telcos. It still is in Canada. It's like an AT&T or a Verizon in Canada. And I was responsible for corporate retail nationally. So I led a team of about a thousand people and about a hundred million dollars in sales. Wow. And when I left, I opened my own Telus dealership. So I, you know, similar to a franchise model, but different. And, uh, my so goal like, was this be like today owning, owning a Verizon store or something like yeah. that, that kind of, okay. Yeah. Right. So I, I opened my own bricks and mortar telco store in 2006 uh, and within 90 days of opening that store, I was tapped on the shoulder by someone and asked if I could work on a consulting project because they wanted other dealers in Western Canada that they were building these brand new state-of-the-art flagship locations. They wanted them to operate like I operated because I had all this experience from working for corporate. So that was my first consulting gig. And then as time went on and I started to join all these networking organizations to build my retail business, I started talking about marketing and business and things. And one day somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, if you would host a workshop and teach us what you know, we would pay you because we don't know what you know. And I was like, really? Like, isn't everybody using Facebook? Isn't everybody using Twitter? Do you not all understand websites and blogging? So I kind of fell into it by accident. Marketing wasn't the thing that I, like marketing, I'm good at marketing, but I'm great at sales. But I fell into marketing by accident. And then every time somebody would want me to help them with marketing, what I would find is they really had a sales problem. And so I would help them figure out how to use marketing to drive sales and how to fix the business problem they had that was preventing them from making money. And so by 2011, I was pretty much an absentee business owner for my retail store. and that was back in the day, in the times when people were breaking into stores and stealing iPhones. And we turned over a million dollars a year in hardware. And I felt like I was putting the business at risk. So we sold that business in 2012. And I just continued to focus on my 
consulting business long term. And, you know, I started really just advising people and teaching people. And one day, a marketing director from a shopping center said to me, Do you think you could just do it for me? You're so good at it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I could probably do that. So I went home and I put together these little packages, one for 1500, one for 2500 and one for 5000. And I went back and presented them to her. And so she picked one and I came home. My husband said to me that night, so what'd you go for the 1500? I'm like, nope, the 5000. Yeah, and like, so I think I have an agency now. <laughs> I think I have an agency now. So it didn't take very long for then I start talking about this. And it, the next thing you know, I had 12 shopping centers that were doing business with me and a whole bunch of other companies doing business with me. So it just kind of happened naturally and mm. organically. And interestingly enough, through word of mouth, not social media. Interesting. They're hiring, hiring you for those things, but not learning about you through those things. That still Sometimes shows word they, of mouth. Yeah. Like I, I did a survey on LinkedIn a while ago and I mean, it wasn't a huge sampling of people, but I said, when somebody refers someone to you for services, what type of due diligence do you do? And I think it was something like 90 some percent of people said they check their website and they check their LinkedIn profile. So I do think that there's a little bit of creeping that goes on when you have a word of mouth referral to check you out. Yeah. But, and so I do think your presence is important. I think your website is important, but I don't think it's the only way that people are finding people to do business with. I also yeah. think it depends on what you're selling. You know, Seth Godin talks a lot about the race to the bottom and the race to the top. I have clients that invest six figures a year working with our team. I'm not going to convert a six-figure client off of TikTok. At least I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. I don't think those people are there. I think those people are coming from my network. They're coming from people who know people who have you know, multi six and seven and eight figure businesses are saying, Hey, this is an individual that I know and I trust and you should talk to them too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So today it's still word of mouth. Is that your number one? It, word of mouth and speaking. So when I go to an event and I speak, I always get business, yeah. always get business. I miss speaking. I used to do so much of it. And then I'm, I actually don't know what happened. I'm just thinking COVID. Yeah. I think, well, children, COVID. COVID. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about it. But you know, I was, I, when I was, when I think back to people ask me all the time, cause it's like, you know, they, 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 it feels like I'm a hundred when they ask me this question, they're like, how did you market before social media? You know, how did you grow your email list? And I had to think about it for a minute. And I said, the number one way was always speaking. Cause I would mm -hmm. show up at things. I would get on a plane and go to a conference or drive across town to go to a thing and collect cards. And I would do a giveaway and just, you know, it was a lot of that kind of manual labor. Some people would call it, but it, they, you knew you were getting real people. They were great quality cause they showed up too. They showed up mm -hmm. to be there. And it was one of the best ways I built my business and built my list. You know, I probably mm -hmm. couldn't do as much of it today with my family, but man, like all of you listening, like if, if there is a way I'd say to, to build quality, quality leads really quickly and you have the wherewithal, that is such a good way. It's because mm -hmm. it's, they've met you. There's the no like and trust. And, you know, I, I really like to do more of that again. How much do you do? Do you still, do you travel to speak or is it local? I don't do a ton of speaking anymore, but I go to, you know, I go to different events and 
I probably speak a couple times a year and normally it's not local. I I should start doing some local speaking because I'm in a new community and people don't know me here. Um, But most of the time it's, it's destination based. Yeah. And you're in Florida now full-time pretty much? Pretty much. Yeah. Full-time. We, uh, you know, we, we came down here on our E-1 visas and uh, we worked with an immigration attorney to apply for L-1A small business visas, which we got. And uh, we just finished renewing our first year of our L-1A visa. And now we've started the green card process. Oh my gosh. How exciting. And why Florida? Yeah. Why Florida besides the great weather? Um, Well, we owned a home in Naples and we had owned a home down here for a decade. So we were used to coming here. And so when we decided um, to escape Canada in 2021, um, during all the COVID stuff, we, uh, we came to our home here. And so it's just a natural place for us to come to because we've been coming here for so long. And then we drove up north to Ormond Beach to visit friends of ours that, believe it or not, we met at the microbrewery that we owned in Nova Scotia. And oh, wow. so we came up here to visit them and we fell in Canadians love Canadians are taking the over. They're everywhere. But, you know, she's, <laughs> she's actually Canadian. Her husband is American. He used to play for the Miami Dolphins. And so we, we just came to visit them and loved where they lived and decided, hey, we really like it there. Naples is really busy. And um, this is just an opportunity for us to build a new home and kind of start fresh. Mm. So the name of this podcast is Reward. and the reason I chose that title is because, you know, the women at this level and in the trust, I, I get asked all the time, you know, what it is, it, what is it about the seven, eight figures? You know, why is it about the money? I said, what's really interesting is, yeah, the money is a part of that, but it's more a vehicle to the bigger rewards. Tell us what the reward is for you like, or, or rewards could be plural. Uh, you know, money gives you freedom of choice. And I think that's one of the rewards, you know, choosing to leave Canada when we did in 2021 and coming down here wasn't an inexpensive decision to make. But when you have a business that is at the seven or eight figure mark and that business is profitable and you have accumulated money, you have resources to do what you want to do with your life. I think that's one of the rewards for me. But, you know, when, when you first started talking about this, the bigger reward for me is I was raised by a single mom and, uh, my mom has always had to work very, very hard manual labor jobs her whole life. And a few years ago, my mom was diagnosed with stage four COPD and could no longer work. And the real reward for me is I can take care of my mom financially and I don't have to worry about where that money is coming from. And mm-hmm. so to me, that's, that's the ultimate reward is it allows you to really take care of the people that matter most to you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And tell everyone about your life and your dogs and is it one <laughs> dog or m- multiple dogs? I've been hearing I have one. three. Okay. You have, I have three. three miniature wire haired dachshunds. Actually, no, I have two miniature wire haired dachshunds and one long haired dachshund. And where did so the I dachshund have- thing start? Um, Friends of ours uh, in Ottawa had um, a dachshund and we fell in love with her. And at the time we used to own a landscape company. My husband went to visit a client. We had a Jack Russell Terrier. He went to visit a client's house and opened the door and there was a Jack Russell Terrier and a dachshund. So I fell in love with 
dachshunds and we went and got one and um, she just stole our heart. I, I don't think I will ever be without one. Like, oh. They're just amazing, amazing dogs. So we have three. Eddie is our oldest. He just turned 15 in April. Uh, Sunshine is our middle child. She's six and Faith is our youngest and she's uh, just over a year now. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. There's well, Lisa, so any fun. last words of advice for, you know, if there's women listening who want to break into the seven, eight figures, you know, you've done it yourself with, you know, you've had multiple businesses, you have such a great perspective on things. What do you think is important for people to remember right now? Well, I've had three businesses hit the seven figure mark. And I think what is important is not necessarily the top line revenue, but the bottom line result. And so what I would say is don't be enamored with the seven and eight figure number so much as making sure that you're building a business that is profitable and sustainable. You build a business so that you can have freedom of choice and you want to build a business that allows you to pay yourself well, that allows you to set aside money so that you can create wealth for your future. And mm -hmm. so don't be so... Um, don't, don't be, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't fall in love with the idea of seven figures, fall in love with the idea of building something that can really create, you know, generational wealth for your business and for your family. Yeah. Make it make money and keep that money. You know, I've seen people, you know, chase the seven figure mark, but they don't even, they can't even pay themselves. And so who cares if you have a seven or an eight figure business, if you don't have any money in the bank and you can't afford to pay yourself and you can't take care of your mom when she needs your help, you want to build a business that is profitable enough that it affords you the freedom you deserve for taking the risk and putting in the effort that you have to build it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you, you used the wording earlier, which I loved, which is, you know, if you can't, if you can't afford to pay yourself. It, then it's, is it not a, it's not a real business model. It's not. <laughs> you know, it's not a real if business. If you're spending seven figures to make seven figures, that doesn't make sense. And yeah. and uh, I may sound like I'm contradicting kind of what we stand for in the trust because you know we do have a minimum revenue of a million, but what we're talking about here is you building your business to you know something that's going to sustain you and your family. And sometimes to do that in the right way takes a little longer to get there mm -hmm. than you may like, but mm -hmm. it's going to be solid then it's going to be so solid. And so, yeah, I think we've all seen people like hit it and then kind of pummel from there. Like they're just, they're, they're, they drop because it's not a sustainable model. They can't pay themselves. And it's something, you know, all of you out there, you want to be working with a good business coach that is not just focused on top line revenues. They're not just focused mm -hmm. on one specific way to get there either. It's great to have a coach or someone on your side or advising you in marketing, you know, for whether it's, you know, Lisa or me or someone who this ain't their first rodeo. They've been through many variations mm -hmm. of seeing different things over the years and even experiencing it themselves and get a good perspective on things. I think it's just so, so important. And Lisa, you bring that um, always to every time we talk, you bring it to the meetings of, of the trust. And I'm just so happy to still have you with us and for everything you do. Oh, thank you. I love being part of the trust. I love the conversations that we have when we uh, meet each time. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of richness there. And, you know, the, the thing that I think is beautiful is there's no one in that room that's there 
I mean, they're there because they've qualified, the, the conversations are different at that level and they've, they've reached that level in their business, but there's nobody in that room that thinks they're all that because they have a seven or an eight figure business. You know, they're yeah. all in there still curious, still humble, still wanting to grow, still looking for best practices for their business. And so it's, it's a really great place that you've built for us women. Yeah. Thank you. And all of you listening or watching, if you're at those levels or close, please just reach out. We'd love to talk with you about possibly joining us. We have a great meeting coming up in the fall here in Scottsdale. And uh, thanks, Lisa. Go pet your doggies and have a great night. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Subscribe now to the Reward Podcast to be sure to not miss an episode. And don't forget to visit jointhetrust.org to learn more about our modern community for forward-thinking seven- and eight-figure women entrepreneurs. You can learn more, apply to join us, or refer another woman you know who is over the million-dollar mark and is ready for a different type of women's network. We have events coming up both live and online that are truly creating new possibilities for female leaders. That's jointhetrust.org. See you there.